so um, just very aware of the thunder and the wind in the trees and just, just want to acknowledge that somehow. No particular <laughs> comment to make about it. <laughs> just here we are in our with our elements. Um, mm. So, um, this evening I'd like to offer some reflections on the great theme and a great quality of our heart, compassion. And uh, I can feel uh, Dara and I circling around the Brahma Viharas. I think both of us are very drawn to that in teaching, so here we are. Um, so my hope is that that this time, you know, there may be some sense of, um, yeah, just some reflections. I mean, I felt like a lot of reflections and stories and teachings kind of jostling for position as I was preparing for the talk. And so much to share, so much to reflect on. So I just just chosen a few there are a few things that maybe can help us individually and maybe together, you know, to the degree that you're willing or interested to allow this time together this evening just to be kind of a bow to this great quality, to this much, much needed quality in our, in our world, you know, and in our hearts and minds, you know, in our experience on retreat. And it continues to be a kind of abiding inquiry for me. Maybe that's true with all of these great themes and the great mystery of practice and the, the great beauties of the Dharma, that, that I always come and think, what is this? You know, what is this compassion? How do we know it? How do we recognize that? How how do we experience that? How do we how do we know that quality in ourselves and in others? How do we see? How do we recognize its presence and activity in the world and in ourselves and in others? And I think, like so many of these great qualities, it may be that actually compassion is arising much of the time, is present much of the time in much that we do and say and think, and we don't recognize it, we don't notice it. Small, small things sometimes. You know, and on retreat, perhaps we can be more sensitive to that. And the sense of just being here, I feel like just being willing to undertake this meditation is such a, an act of compassion for ourselves and for the world. So I really, again, another bow to your practice and, you know, in talking with people the last couple of days, such a deep sense of respect and wanting to honor that wisdom and compassion that is so, so present and so palpable that perhaps often we 
are more cognizant of in others than we, we are in ourselves. And also to acknowledge that, like maybe so many qualities, that, that compassion is a kind of a... Um, it can be idealized, right? It can be made into some kind of distant, lofty, something or other um, that that we that we can but aspire to, and maybe we can we can appreciate and acknowledge the richness of compassion as part of the fabric of our life, as certainly part of the fabric of the Dharma and the practice. You know that it's. Sometimes it's it's written in the teachings that the the Buddha only taught out because of compassion, because of this being moved, you know, being moved by the Brahma Sampti, the 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 God of all, and it came and encouraged him for the benefit of others. And teach the Dhamma. And so I sometimes think of that when I read the teachings and I, if I see every, every you know, part of it as um, in the service of compassion or a compassionate offering. And so I realize sometimes why I feel like everything, every part of practice is compassionate. So you could almost include everything in this reflection. So that's also something really lovely to sort of feel if we're in touch with that sense of the purpose of the teachings and something of that wish in our own hearts to to be of service, you know, to help, to to heal. And I, I don't know, but I feel that, you know, in myself and when I meet with people, I feel like such a something that I recognize in, in all of us, in a way, is this, this compassionate wish for um, the suffering to, to cease, to be eased, to be alleviated, all the different forms of suffering that there are, that we encounter in the world, and that we feel the impact of. When we're here on retreat, we feel the results, the reverberations, and the echoes of of all so many kinds of suffering through the generations, you know, the familial, the political, the systemic, um, all these levels and kinds. It's sort of kind of we we're a nexus for all of that, and we have this amazing kind of opportunity, but also challenge to how can we how can we uh, uh, be with all that, you know, this enormity and complexity. And yet, I, what I keep coming back to again and again is how the the brilliance and the wisdom and the compassion of the Buddha kind of acknowledges this sort of vastness of it, but says, here, right here and now, you know, with this heart and this mind and this body. There is suffering and there is a way to the end of suffering in this fathom-long body. Here is suffering. Here is the alleviation, the cause and the, the way and the way to ending that 
ending that suffering for our, for ourselves and for all beings. So I kind of I feel very um, alive with this inquiry. Um, so I think what's been coming more apparent to me um, in recent inquiry is how there's this um, sense of um, suffering and I, I feel like pain, difficulty, hurt, you know, that's sort of whichever aspect or a part of that continuum or whatever sort of touching our, our heart-mind um, on that sort of continuum or whole range. It's like when that is met with these qualities of, you know, steadiness and mindfulness, some, you know, wise seeing or understanding, then compassion naturally arises. You know, so I was talking, I think, yesterday morning about the shift to awareness being, you know, something kind of very immediate, very, that kind of noticing that shift and what difference that makes when we're aware of what's happening and how that changes our experience and our sense of, 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 of our, our world, our experience. And I think the same is, I'm beginning to think... Uh, the same is true with compassion. That even just a moment, it's like this shift from there's the pain and there's the reactivity to that and then there's this shift to love, to some sense of caring or some sense of of that quality of uh, being with or empathizing with or just some kind of um, aspect like like that 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 makes a huge difference makes all the difference and I think one of the great sort of ways that that compassion for for me anyway uh, is is cultivated is brought to life is in relationship you know Kalyanamita, spiritual friendship, spiritual community. You know, I just, I notice this, this has become more and more apparent to me. So why I'm so drawn to stories as well that are about people and connection and relationship and things that have happened and things that people have done and things that people have received. And so... I feel like that there's something there in how we can cultivate, how we can kind of bring this quality alive in our in our practice, in our hearts. Um, just very much to do with with that. So I want to kind of offer some some maybe different ways that that works for me, maybe may different for you. Um, yeah, so, um, hmm. I was also thinking of this quote, I, I heard at some point that pain plus isolation equals suffering. Have you ever heard that? And I think it's very relevant to this. It's like if you, if you change that, um, chronic, chronic cough, 
compassion of a friend. She knows what to do. Um, yeah, that this sense of pain plus connection, pain, pain plus, you know, spiritual friendship equals compassion. So I just, I know it's not as simple as that, but I think there's something again and again I can see how in my own life, or my own practice, I'm struggling, I'm suffering, and it's actually what, what, what makes the most difference is either the recollection of friendship, care, you know, love, and that, or the actual, and it doesn't even have to be a human, like the rabbit, there's a rabbit that eats grass just outside my house. And honestly, I don't know whether any of you are animal people, like even more than humans. Like, oh, you know, there's just this kind of, oh, the heart opens towards the rabbit. If only it was like that with all human beings, right? Maybe just imagine them, imagine we're all bunnies. You can be a bit happier together. Or, or in that case, it was like the rabbit just like, you know, it was just did that. It was just like, <laughs> who knows? Like, go away, human, or whoever knows what it was. Um, but just those moments of feeling like, um, you know, that relational, that relational sense. Um, so anyway, you know, I, I also use phrases, and we'll touch on some other things that maybe we or you already are drawing on in your practice. Um, so let's see. Um, another animal, maybe several animal stories here. So, um, so I'm going to share a little story which I share sometimes. And um, really, yeah, with all of this, I suppose, with all the teachings, just to notice what resonates and what meanings there are, so that I don't, I could get into the story and unpick it and unpack it and analyze it and say this means this and this means that, but I will not do that. I will just, you know, and see what what resonates for you. Because I feel like, for me, stories can carry really impactful teachings, like really, you know, straight to the heart, in a way that, you know, the more rational kind of, you know, this is this and that's that and that leads to that um, can kind of leave me behind a little bit. Although that's also true. And again, different minds, different ways that teachings kind of come in. So respect for that. So this is a story um, about a whale who was uh, caught up in fishing netting in the San Francisco Bay a few years ago and um, what just a short story is that um, some people who knew how to dive you know with oxygen and dove down into the water and around around the whale and they had uh, some kind of cutting you know clippers of some kind and they approached the whale and they clipped the, they cut the, the net, you know, gradually. And the whale just, big whale, I don't know, how big are they? I mean, they're as big as this room, aren't they? If you've ever seen them. I mean, they think of a little human being swimming around, like, you know, 
means it doesn't hurt me, you know. It's a big, big whale, and the whale just stayed still. This is obviously my memory of the story. <laughs> Hopefully accurate enough. And then, so the, the divers went round, and eventually all of the net was uh, taken off from the whale, and then the divers all drew back, and, you know, respectful different di- distance. And the whale, this always gets me, the whale moved around to each of those humans and looked them in the eye. Each one. Everyone. And then swam away. That gets me every time. I don't know. Just So I think, again, not wanting to get into too much analysis, but I'm realizing that the stories that really touch me are often with animals, but also they are, here is suffering, and here is compassion, and here they are together. And that, I think, is like the compassion allows me to open to the suffering. If there's just suffering and there's no sense of help, compassion, you know, around that, I can't, you know, it's much, much harder to kind of approach, right? So I have a feeling that a story like that, even though I wasn't there, that it it helps cultivate compassion in, in, in my heart because I am being supported to you know, learn from the, the, the example of others and to have this sense of there is suffering and there is compassion. And that's, um, anyway, that's my point there. So another thing that feels so important to acknowledge with compassion is, you know, maybe you, 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 you've come across this sense of the... Uh, there's the receptive side of it, so the sense of listening, which is, you know, big part of what I do is, is listen. So I had a lot of practice with that. And that sense of that, if you like, that aspect of compassion, which is listening, receptive, you know, taking in, present, steady, kind of with what's there. And... Quivering with so anyukampa, this Pali word, anyukampa, which I think means to quiver with, to resonate with. So that very natural, right? This is so natural. This quality of kind of quivering, resonating with, with another, with another being's um, experience. Okay, so the other side being karuna, the active. And I feel like that story maybe kind of accentuates that more, you know, active, responding, engaging, appropriate response. You know, and my little, little tiny, tiny, weeny, weeny example of the rabbit is that I walked all the way, all the way, hey, all the way around the admin building so that I didn't disturb it in its evening little feed last little feed of the grass very small 
But there it is, right? There it is. And that connection with that creature kind of just, it's like, yeah, I'll take another minute and go around the building. And so just an example. And of course, we could probably spend weeks just telling each other stories of the most ordinary and the most extraordinary compassionate acts that we've known, heard about, seen, and even done ourselves. Oh, that could be quite a retreat, couldn't it? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and another aspect to that activity of, of compassion, which is, I think, I, I feel very important to mention, is what you might think of as fierce compassion. The compassion that says, no, this is not, I am not engaged, I am not engaging in this, I am not going to continue to be part of what causes suffering. And I say that sort of, I feel myself sort of like ground, strength, upright. That I feel is also really important aspect of compassion. So as with all the great heart qualities, aren't they multifaceted? Like multifunctional and multi kind of expressive. It's just not one way that that manifests. Um, yeah. So, um, so also, I mean, this sense of what is it that inhibits or get in, gets in the way of compassion? And that could be a whole talk or series of talks in itself. And I think the talk on the hindrances is, is probably relevant here. You know, what happens? So sometimes I draw this little diagram and it's like there's a point and then it says, ouch, by it. And then that one arrow go one way and then one arrow going another way. And one arrow goes towards compassion, responsiveness, caring. And the other one goes to... I've got a really long list here, but <laughs> what do we do, you know? What happens so often with our own suffering, the suffering in our heart and our body and our mind? Avoid, deny, block, flee, become afraid of. Um, these are just some of mine. <laughs> sure we could, yeah. Well, that all kinds of, all kinds of reactivity that we need to include in our practice of compassion, right? So again, the wonderful sense of the immeasurable, the compassion, the Brahma Viharas is immeasurable, that there is nothing, I do, there is nothing, nothing that we cannot bring compassion to. I mean, I say that's a pretty extraordinary statement. I don't very often make statements like that, but... I, I believe that is possible. Maybe not for me, but um, maybe eventually. But that, that I have faith in that. It's like I have a sense of the, the power of compassion that's beyond any of our personal capacities or our limitations or our, you know, these things that get in the way. That it, it maybe that's why cultivating it is so important because it kind of grows its own power. It grows its own strength and capacity to kind of melt through these other, oh, I can't, it's too frightening. And, you know, gradually then that, that, that the compassion 
sort of becomes more a bigger part of what the what the response is or you know what happens when we when we meet different kinds of suffering and i i certainly see that as you know a kind of long way to go with that you know maybe you see that in yourself on retreat or in your life with certain kinds of suffering that there's just it's just there's so much reactivity and there's so much anger or fear or whatever and it makes you know that there's a lot there that just needs again compassion in in our, in our for our for our own being for our own reactivity um, and of course we know this is going on in other people a lot of the time um, yeah so how do we cultivate this I wanted to share a few thoughts from some great teachers um, hearing some different voices. um, Pema Chodron, she said, the journey of awakening is one of continually coming up against big challenges and then learning how to soften and open. You soften and open and feel compassion for your predicament and the whole human condition. I always, uh, somehow that's one I've come back to again and again. Um, okay, this is, this is a, a teaching from Joseph Goldstein. Uh, again, a different voice, a really interesting angle on kind of different ways of, of cultivating compassion. So he, he wrote, in meditation practice... When we settle back and open to what's happening without aversion or attachment, we're developing compassion. I mean, I, yeah, it's obviously for you to explore if you want, but I find that such a, it's, 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 it's a way of, again, understanding how could say just you could say just just being mindful <laughs> without aversion or attachment yeah well yeah um. <laughs> but that that sense that that is that is what or one condition that allows compassion to come forth right so just right there no aversion so those reactivities I was just referring to like what happens when we meet something difficult and we're not in those reactivities? They're just not happening for whatever miraculous reason. When we're not attached to a particular outcome or a particular view, or um, and and we're just there. And it isn't that a kind of the compassion naturally arises. So it's almost like it's what's there or what can come forth. When we're not, you know, flapping around or, you know, kind of frozen up or running away, there's something, again, really natural. I think that's such an interesting reflection of sort of that sense of when you're just present and you kind of, you get out of, you get out of your own way, in a way. It's like, ah. So now memory stories coming to mind that I'll share an example of this again kind of ordinary 
So I was in a pharmacy in Finland. Funny where you find yourself, isn't it, in life? <laughs> yeah, I was in a pharmacy in Finland <laughs> and um, was teaching there. And so I noticed that there was a small boy, about that big, and a mother, and they'd speak in Finnish. I never learned Finnish. It's a really difficult language, so that was my rather poor excuse. But anyway, she, so she was speaking, so I couldn't tell, but then I noticed that she's looking around, you know, and really cross with the boy, and the boy is like, well, I, you know, I don't know. So I started looking around, and I saw a piece of paper on the floor, and you know how your mind just goes, da 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 I thought, ah, you've dropped something. So I picked this up, and I... I took it to her, and she looked at it, and she just thanked me profusely in Finnish. But I knew it was thanks anyway. <laughs> you know, you, that sort of international language sort of comes through, maybe. And just as an example of, there was mindfulness. There was just you know some oh some trouble. What's going on? And and just being able to kind of respond. Nothing kind of you know big and oh gosh, um, you know, look, I can do this great thing. But just like, oh, there's the thing, there you are. And so just as an example of how that, just being present, I think at that that moment, I think I wasn't in a flap. I was, you know, fairly like, okay, there, present. And just from noticing, you know, what can happen. And again, probably you have many examples you can think of from your own life or from from what you've heard so turning turning towards turning towards suffering i mean i think this is um something i'm still practicing you know um and uh, my first one of my first teachers christina feldman would talk about turning towards the suffering turning towards the suffering and i would just sit there you know sobbing away on the cushion and i like i'm in it i don't know how you turn towards something you're already in like you know but you know she seemed very wise so i guess it makes a bit more sense now but i feel also that all spiritual traditions have this wisdom and I'd like to share a, a, a very beautiful, moving prayer from the Sufi tradition. Overcome any bitterness that may have come to you because you were not up to the magnitude of the pain entrusted to you. Like the mother of the world who carries the pain of the world in her heart, Each one of us is part of her heart and therefore endowed with a certain measure of cosmic pain. You are sharing in the totality of that pain. You are called upon to meet it in joy instead of self-pity. That's pretty amazing. Should I read it again? I think I will. Thank you. Overcome any bitterness that may have come to you because you were not up to the magnitude of the pain entrusted to you. Like the mother of the world who carries the pain of the world in her heart, 
Each one of us is a part of her heart and therefore endowed with a certain measure of cosmic pain. You are sharing in the totality of that pain. You are called upon to meet it in joy instead of self-pity. So we also have our Kuan Yin, our Bodhisattva of Compassion, the statue, which maybe for some of us can be an image which we might contemplate as the mother of the world, as a way of cultivating, uh, connecting with that quality of compassion. So, just a couple more things to share. I, yeah, um, mm, feels hard to follow that Sufi prayer. So maybe words, words in poems, in stories, in teachings can help to uh, bring forth or kind of unimpede this natural capacity of the heart. And I wanted to share some phrases um, just as one way And just recently I was uh, playing with some phrases from my friend Zohar Lavi, who I love and who's taught me a lot about compassion in many different ways. And I feel like, okay, so if we think of another person, and maybe we can pause and this could be just a little bit of practice together if you like, of thinking of another person, someone who maybe right now you would like to, you know, and it's fairly easy perhaps to just um, open uh, in compassion towards this be- this being. And when we say these words... What I found this this week in practicing was that the whole story or parts of the story of this person and their situation and my own feelings and all the kind of activity of mind, just that way that each word, like some of you are doing metta practice, helped to steady 
to steady the mind and steady the intention. So I just want to kind of acknowledge the power and the potential support of that. And these phrases, maybe for our friend, or I'm thinking of one particular person at the moment, um, and just sometimes very, very slowly. So thinking of that person, may you find support in times of difficulty. May you find support in times of difficulty. And again, as you know, that sort of gentle, slow repetition, almost just trusting that the, the words, if they're resonant enough for you, can kind of carry, carry that basic intention, sort of carry it and let it out, you know, kind of again through the distraction and the, you know, it's, we're not totally there all the time, or we keep thinking of different things, <laughs> and just keep coming back to that and let it let it carry let it support us in that wish for another person's well-being and support or may you be held in tenderness may you be held in tenderness Again, feeling that sense of offering, that we don't, we're not trying to make anything happen. hope you can still hear me. The rain and the storm. <laughs> Thank you, Devon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So maybe we can enjoy the storm while we're contemplating compassion <laughs> can you feel the rain oh well feel free to move if you don't want to get worse enjoy getting wet <laughs> oh. may your suffering ease may your suffering ease so again, just very sort of very simple examples, and I'm sure you have, you know, phrases you can use or draw on. But I just this week have been really appreciating, appreciating that way of practicing. should just sit for a few moments and just <laughs> listen to the storm and then I'd, I would like to sh- share something else with you but we'll see maybe we'll admit defeat and surrender to a higher power but let's just sit for a few moments and see how this resonates in your heart
So I feel like I want to bring our time together to a close. I don't really want to add any more. I feel like somehow the heavens are teaching. I don't want to interrupt that. <laughs> um, but just to thank you for your attention and wondering if you would be willing for us to chant the reflection on the sharing of blessings as a way of, of closing our time together. Um, See so if we can lift up our voices, let it let them mingle with the rain and the thunder. So may the blessings and benefits of our practice be shared, be shared with all beings everywhere. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.